And now, Father, we ask that you'd help us to be able to see who you are in our lives through the, the, the word that you've given us. And so, Lord, would you bless our time in Proverbs. Lord, we don't want to just intellectually give assent to truth. We want your truth uh, to rule over our heart, our mind, and our life. And so, God, please have your way with us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we are in Proverbs chapter 15 in this last section in Proverbs, verses 29 through 33. We're gonna see the contrast between the wise and the foolish in terms of how they are accountable or how they relate to humility. And so we'll just cover one verse tonight, verse 29. We're gonna see their power in prayer. Verse 29 says, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. So when the wicked pray, and you want to get this down in your notes and, and just understand, it's good, good to know in life, that, that it's, it's wasted time, right? When the wicked pray, it results in failure. Why? Well, just remember, uh, the worship of the wicked, we saw this last time, the worship of the wicked is abomination to the Lord. We saw it in verse eight, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. In verse nine, the way of the wicked is an abomination unto the Lord, and then, Verse 26, the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord. Why is that? Well, it's because their heart is not right with God. It's in rebellion against God. And so God says, talk to the hand. Psalm 66, verse 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Right, God says, talk to the hand. You know what's right, but you're holding on to rebellion and sin, and so forget it. John 9 verse 31 says, now we know that God heareth not sinners. So maybe the sin in your life is a lack of consecration or maybe it's the sin of concupiscence. You're longing for forbidden things. And you might say, well, longing's a sight better than doing, but listen to me. You always end up following the longings of your heart. How many people have said that whenever they just run right off the cliff? You know, I gotta follow my heart. (laughs) And they destroy their lives. You know, sexual sin never just happens. It never just sneaks up on you. I don't know what happened. Like, totally came out of the blue. No, no, no. It never sneaks up on you. You plant it in your heart long before it ever becomes a fact in your life. This is why your Bible warns you over and over and over again to guard your heart. You want to guard your heart. Set the bounds of what it can have affection for. Guard what you let it love and desire. Jeremiah 17 verse nine tells you the stupidity in following your own heart. The heart is deceitful above all things. Yes, your heart will lie to you. It'll get you in big trouble if you let it. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I know my own heart. God says, no, actually you don't. You better set bounds on your heart. See, you coveted long before you ever stole. You had hatred in your heart long before you ever said terrible things about your brother or sister in Christ. Again, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. See, we gotta guard our heart. We gotta decide what we're gonna be eager for and over for in life. We need to learn. We need to decide. We need to make a decision about what we're gonna long for from the heart. What we're, that we're gonna long for the right things. Psalms 42, one says, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so my soul panteth, right? So panteth my soul after thee, O God. Get obsessed with Jesus, just make that decision. I'm, I'm done 
lusting for all of the wrong things and I'm gonna start craving all of the right things. I'm gonna get obsessed about Jesus, his word, and the things of God. So that's the question, the first question on the floor tonight is do you desire a right relationship with the Lord? Do you desire a heart that's fervent for the things of God? See, the wicked, their biggest mistake, I just, I just wanna put this out there, I think their biggest mistake is unbelief. You remember the wicked servant in Matthew 25? Got all these servants and they're supposed to take care of business while their master is away? while their king, their lord is away. And you remember that wicked servant? Why was he called a wicked servant? He didn't do business for the Lord. He took what the Lord gave him and he hid it. And he says, I was afraid. I knew you were an austere man and you reaped where you didn't sow. I was afraid I'd mess up. And so he was full of fear. He wasn't full of faith. He didn't get to work with what his Lord had given him. And so God calls him a wicked servant. Hebrews 11:6 tells you, that he that cometh to God must believe. He must believe. James 1 tells you to ask in faith, nothing wavering. Verse six, verse seven says, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. You lose control. Verse seven says, let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. See, when we pray in unbelief, uh, it's offensive to God. Uh, it's like peeing up a rope. I don't know who came up with the phrase, but what a waste of time and what a mess. When we pray in unbelief, it's an exercise in futility. Okay, so people, when we pray, remember who it is that we're talking to. I mean, whenever the Lord commands, the Lord performs. Remember who you are talking to. He is the God of miracles. He is the God of your salvation. He is the God of power and might. He's the God of glory. By his power, he took Israel through the Red Sea to victory on dry ground. He held the rain for three and a half years and rained down fire at the request of Elijah. That's the God that we serve. He is the one who delivered Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego from a fiery furnace. That's the God that we serve. He is the God of wonders and miracles. He is the God who preserved Daniel in the lion's den. And as a famous pastor, TV pastor once said, he got Gilligan off the island. I don't know. Bottom line, Hebrews 11 says, without faith it is impossible to please him. You can't please God if you are stuck in wicked unbelief. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So all prayer must be made in faith. But there is one prayer that comes from the life of the wicked that God will hear. And that's the prayer of, rep- of repentance and of mercy and grace. Right, God, repenting in sin before God. God, give us your mercy and your grace. Okay, how does that work? The reason it works Right? The reason the Lord hears that prayer from the wicked is the prayer that's coming from a humbled. Right? It's a humbled life. It's a humbled person. It's the prayer of the humble. It's like the publican in Luke 18. So broken up over his sin, he wouldn't even look to heaven. Smote his breast, right? Smote upon his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And what's Christ's testimony? God heard that prayer. That's what's required. 
right? The prayer of, like Acts 20, 21 says, the prayer of repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Psalms 145 says, the Lord is nigh to all of them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. Why? Well, Psalms 138 verse six, though the Lord be high, yet he hath respect unto the lowly. God is drawn to weakness and humility. If there's one thing that's irresistible to God, it's when somebody just humbles themselves and they get over themselves, they get over their pride, they get over their excuses. God, my life's a wreck, I need you. James 4, 6 says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. So this is why 1 Peter 5 commands us to be clothed with humility. Why? For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace unto the humble. So humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting, pray, right? Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. So now, at the point where the wicked in humility has called on the Lord, now that they've called on the Lord in repentance for forgiveness and God's grace, we now have the imputed righteousness of Christ. And what's the promise in Proverbs 15, 29? But he heareth the prayer of the righteous. I don't know about you, but I'm standing before you tonight completely righteous. I am a righteous brother. I mean, I am a full-on, dead-on, righteous brother. You know how I know that? Because I have the righteousness of God in the person of Jesus Christ. I didn't earn that righteousness. I didn't engineer, I didn't perform in a way so as to obtain that righteousness. It was imputed, it was reckoned, right? It was laid to my account because of who Christ is in my life. Man, how great is that to have the righteousness of Christ? That's who Jesus is. The righteousness of God is by faith, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. Romans 10, four tells you that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. And so now he hears the prayer of the righteous because now you're in a family relationship. Get this down in your notes. God is your good, good father and he hears your prayer. Luke chapter 11, verse nine tells you Yeah, it's adorable, isn't it? I mean, just so adorable. Uh, You did good, man. You need to make about five more of those. Uh, uh, He's a good father. He hears our prayer. If a son asks bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, ask an egg, will he give him a, offer him a scorpion? If ye then being evil know how to give good gifts, you give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? He is your father, he hears your prayer, and we are his children. His Holy Spirit in Romans eight tells you, right, tells you that you're his child. We have received, Romans 10, verse 15, the spirit of adoption. Notice the S is capitalized. It's one of the names of the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So, brother, sister, let him be your father. Receive him. He is, he is your father. Relate to him as such. Cry out to him, Abba. Right, Daddy, Abba, Father. That is one way to pray in the Holy Ghost. I mean, did you get what you just saw in Romans chapter eight? The spirit of adoption is bearing witness with your spirit that God's your daddy. Like the Father, the Father is your Father. 
Man, that's one way to pray in the Spirit. Jude 20, 21, right? Building yourselves up on your most holy faith. Believe right, be full of belief. Praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So understanding that, you're in a family relationship with God as your Father, the only way to fail in prayer is to not pray. That's your last blank. That's the only way to fail in prayer is to not pray. Now see, some people are setting in judgment as to whether or not Alex is a good, good father teaching his daughter to, to skate. But that's adorable. I mean, that's adorable. Okay. The only way to fail is to not pray. God hears us. More than that, he helps us. Like, did you know that nobody in this room knows how to pray right? Be careful. Be really careful what you do right now. Is there anybody here that knows perfectly how to pray? You know how to pray correctly. You know how to pray as you ought. If you raise your hand, you'll look really stupid, okay? Because the Bible tells you, you don't know how to pray right. Welcome to the club. I wish I knew how to pray. I wish I knew how to pray gooder. <laughs> Welcome to the club, okay? The Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know, not, we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for, intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love him, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Pray, God's gonna use that to conform you to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. God loves it when you pray. Don't, don't fathers love it when they're little babies? They don't even know how to talk right, but they're talking to them. It's wonderful, isn't it? I mean, eventually they just get where they can't shut up and they're talking to you all the time. Treasure it. Treasure it, because at some point, they are going to be off and they will have their own life and they will be talking to their spouse and they won't be talking to you all the time. Treasure it. So do you believe that God wants to hear your prayer? Do you believe that? I don't know, man, sometimes I struggle. Sometimes if I go by how I feel, sometimes it feels like I'm talking to the ceiling. Have you ever felt that way? Sometimes I feel like I'm just talking to the air and I'm thinking, man, I know God is everywhere and he knows everything. And I know intellectually he actually knows what I said. But is he listening? Is he attentive? Does he care what I'm going through? Is, does he care what's, what's on my heart? See, sometimes I don't feel like God wants to hear my prayer. Can I just tell you, my feelings are wrong. Biblically, they're dead wrong. Will we believe our feelings or are we gonna believe what God's word says? The prayer of the upright is his delight. You've got a, you got a, you got a father-child relationship with God as your father. And he's so into your prayer, he helps you do it right. The spirit itself makes intercession for you. See, God's man, let me give you an example of this, okay? God's man, Psalms 112 verse seven, the Bible says his heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. He doesn't trust his heart to lead him. He fixes his heart. His heart is fixed. What does he do? He sets boundaries on his hearts. I don't get to feel the way I want to feel. I have to believe what the word of God says over my life. Does that make sense? 
I don't get to go by my feelings, I need to go by the sure word of God. I'll give you another example, 1 John chapter five. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life, that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Have you ever had a time where you felt like maybe you really weren't saved? You know, you understood intellectually what salvation required and you know what you did. You know you believe, you you know you're not trusting in any other options but the finished work of Christ and yet sometimes it's like, oh, I don't know if, did I believe enough? Did I pray hard enough? Did I pray with enough faith? So you take it off the finished work of Christ and your ability to be so perfect in your presentation of the sinner's prayer, you know, some mumbo jumbo like that, where you take it off of Christ's sufficiency and you put it on your insufficiency. There is no part of you that makes salvation possible except your repentance and your belief on God's word, right? Your belief on God's word, your repentance of sin, and your willingness to humble yourself and call on the Lord to do what only he can do in giving you the free gift of salvation. I mean, it's not based, you're not gonna find any place in the Bible that says, you know, you you have to have the faith not like a grain of, you have to have the faith of a mountain to be, no, there's none of that. You have to confess every sin you ever, like, like you're never gonna, you don't even know how wicked a sinner you are. Like, how are you gonna confess all of, don't put it on your ability to do it right, put it totally on his ability to do it right. Right, are we saved by grace through faith or not? Okay, but yet sometimes, you know in the quiet of your heart, I've had it in my life before, it's like, did I really, pray in faith, did I really mean it, am I really, now maybe you need to, maybe tonight you just need to settle it and you need to get saved, okay? But my salvation is not based on my feelings, it's based on what was written. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may what, feel? Be, con- be personally convinc- convinced, be personally convinced in your feels that you have eternal life? No, that you may know that you have eternal life. So do you trust him? Do you trust his word over your salvation? Do you trust his word to be sufficient for your salvation? Do you trust his word over, before, ahead, or beyond your feelings? Do you trust him over prayer? This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, 1 John 5, 15, and if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. Man, praise the Lord. Romans 8, 32 tells you God spared no expense. You're everything to him. He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not, how shall he not with him, with Jesus, also freely give us all things. Your big deal to the Lord, amen? I'd like the worship team to come and I'd like us to close in worship and in prayer. I wonder if there's some wickedness that needs to be repented of tonight. I wonder is if there's some rebellion against the Lord, against his word that needs to be repented of tonight and you're not seeing answered prayer because God's like, look dude, I, I, I have to put you on, I love you, but you're, you're making excuses for wickedness. Uh, you're continuing in sin that grace may abound and God forbid Right, read Romans six. Uh, if I regard, if I'm making a place for, uh, all of us have messed up. We all probably, I mean, if we got honest and we took the time and did the inventory, we'd see, we'd see that we messed up today, okay? 
There's, there's none of us that's without sin. But if I make excuse for it, I know what the Bible says, but here's why I have to hold on to the rebellion of sin in my life. Grace will abound. I'm gonna keep moving forward as a Christian, but I'm not gonna repent of this thing that Christ had to die to save me from. Okay, that's messed up from the ground up, and God says that's gonna hinder your prayer life. So maybe there's some rebellion, some wickedness that needs to be repented of tonight. Maybe, there may be some that need to confess Christ as Lord and Savior tonight. You don't know that you will spend eternity with the Lord, and so today needs to be the day of salvation for you. It may be that, that, that there's some though that, man, you're endeavoring, you're all in, and you just need to quit being wicked in unbelief. You need to get full of faith that God's gonna hear and answer your prayer. You need to commit to a, to a prayer life. Uh, I catch myself at this place every time I turn around. <laughs> I have to rededicate my life uh, to prayer, to have a vibrant biblical prayer life. Is this making sense? Uh, let's close with worship and with prayer if God's dealing with you. If you need help, come forward. Some of us leaders will, will be down front. We wanna meet and pray with you, okay? Deal, let's stand, let's worship.